Good morning, everyone. It is lucky day 13 of the 7 a.m. novelist 50 day writing challenge first draft edition. We're trying to wake up together, write together, work together, get something done. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. And today we're continuing to talk about character development today in terms of secondary characters. But before we get to that, I wanted to add a little bit more to our backstory discussion from yesterday because our backstory discussion went really high level in terms of using backstory for possible uh, secondary storylines. And there's some just basics about using backstory that some of you want to keep in mind before you even consider secondary storylines and that sort of thing. First off, and this is what Ben Percy's um, chapter on backstory um, in Thrill Me is very good at, do you need it? I mean, there's so many times that writers think that they need all this backstory. And for the most part, you actually don't need it. And if you can, so if you have backstory, keep it, keep that backstory as simple as possible. I worked with a novel for a while and the novelist had the characters like moving from, moving from seven different cities. And he thought he needed to tell us why all those moves had happened. And none of those moves actually mattered. And I was like, do, do we need all these moves? It just complicates the backstory. So however you can simplify your backstory so that the reader just doesn't need to know as much will be very, very helpful for you. Implying backstory through scene is usually the best practice. So you're implying what a character's relationship is with other characters through how they behave in those early scenes. And the reader takes what we see in those early scenes is what we think always is. Um, so it, can, it has a lot of power to do that. Um, be very careful. I talk about the workshop question disease when you workshop your work and people say, well, I want to know this and I want to know this and I want to know this and I want to know this. Those are good questions. That doesn't mean you need to answer those questions right off. Those might be mystery questions or interest questions that you can answer later in the book that keep your reader reading. So really hold off on answering all those questions because otherwise you're, you're cutting off all mystery in your book. Um, also in terms of lots of times people write backstory in terms of, well, how did they meet? Or what was their, you know, what was their courtship like? Or, or we don't normally need to know that sort of thing. There's certain common events in our lives that you can usually skip over. Uh, marriages, courtships, funerals, those are pretty common events in our lives that we can, the reader can kind of just fill in for ourselves unless something really unusual happens. And that's even in the present day story, you can do that. Um, and so another rule of thumb is thinking about saving your backstory for um, till after a major moment of action has happened or a major moment of drama so that you want to make sure that we're actually involved in the character, interested in the character, worried about the character, wanting to follow what the character wants before we go into backstory because otherwise we just don't, we just don't care. We just don't get there. Okay. And secondary characters can actually help you get across backstory by reminding your character of their past, uh, asking your character about their past, poking your character about their past. So they're very important. We've got Nancy Crochet and Suzanne DeWitt Hall today. Um, Suzanne, um, Nancy is, for 13 years, she wrote a humor column about family life for Massachusetts newspapers. Then she published a collection of those columns called The Motherlode. She has worked as a development editor for various educational publishers and has written essays for the Boston Globe, Writer's Digest, and the Cognoscenti blog. She began her fiction career by penning creative notes 
excusing her daughter's tardiness at school. <laughs> with her girls now grown, she lives north of Boston with her husband, a lawyer and marathoner, and a few houseplants that could use more attention. Graceland, her first novel, was workshopped in year eight of Grub Street's novel incubator program and will be published by HarperCollins in May 2023. Suzanne DeWitt Hall is the author of Where True Love Is Devotionals and Living in Hope series, which supports the family and friends of transgender people. The Path of Unlearning Faith Deconstruction books and the Rumpled Pimple, Pimple children's books. She is mildly obsessed with vintage cookbooks and, and the intersection of sexuality and theology. Her debut novel, The Language of Bodies, launched recently. It launched Friday, as far as I know. Congratulations, Suzanne. Um, recently with Woodhall Press, it's the story of Maddie Wells' mission of vengeance after the murder of her wife, a transgender woman of color. Wally Lamb called the book a film noir between covers, dark, tense, and sexy. All right, so I'm so excited to have these two on because they are also writing friends and have helped each other out um, in terms of uh, working on their secondary characters. So Nancy, what is the secondary character to you and how have you gone about developing your secondary characters? Um, well, you know, for me, you know, secondary characters really play a significant role. They're just not the focus of the primary plot. So I, you know, I felt like they needed to be rounded characters kind of sometimes with their own minor arc in there, but um, they, they're mostly there to, to kind of more develop the, the protagonist and, and the main story. Um, so one of my focuses was to um, make my, my secondary characters, especially in a a comic novel, um, really uh, memorable and interesting and unique. And I, I think that's important in any case because um, so the readers remember them. So you're not in chapter four and saying, wait a minute, what is this? So, you know, one of the one of the secondary characters I developed uh, was a, a detective named Marlon Fish, who was a small, wiry, bull-legged guy um, in a seersucker suit in a and a straw fedora who um, my protagonist says looks like Wally Cox on, on Hollywood squares. Um, and, you know, my protagonist meets him when she sits uh, near, near uh, when he sits uh, next to her on a park bench and offers her some thin mint Girl Scout cookies. Um, so he seems really harmless at first, but as the conversation goes on, he gets kind of creepier and creepier. And as the novel progresses, you, you do see a, um, a change in him. Um, That's fantastic. And so you can tell from just the description of the character, Nancy's sense of humor. Um, and I do think you do have to make those secondary characters. First off, you can have a lot of fun with them um, and then make them very memorable so that, so that the reader is able to track them. Um, I mean, these are kind of the steady characters that we're using through the book that usually stand in for something about the character's past, something about what they want, what they yearn for, or what their internal obstacles are. So oftentimes those characters will be the ones that poke at your main character and make them uncomfortable and make them do things. Um, and in Nancy's, Nancy's case, I think that's, that's what's, what's happening. Um, excellent. Suzanne, how about you? Can you repeat that, that essential question? Oh, just... I should, since it's Sunday morning, we need to keep track. Yes. Um, just what is the secondary character to you? And 
in the progress of your most recent novel, what kind of work did you have to do developing your secondary characters? Um, well, this was my third novel and it was uh, set partially in the same town um, and had two secondary characters who had been featured in the previous two novels. So um, the storyline was completely different. They weren't interconnected stories, but I had these characters um, who were persistent in my mind. Um, and so it was easier <laughs> right. to, to develop them because they had already existed. Um, one of them is this old Italian uh, woman who owns a junk shop and she acts as uh, counselor and love doler and um, uh, provider of humor and light into what is a pretty dark novel overall. Um, and I am not even sure how, you know, sometimes, sometimes these characters just arrive in our brain. Um, her, her function is almost entirely that role that I talked about. Um, she doesn't have much of a character arc. She kind of is who she is and she's just there, um, as, as this, um, as this council figure, uh, then, you know, another secondary character is provided in, in the, is the murderer. And he is presented in the, through the vehicle of a transcript uh, when he confessed his crime. Um, so what his experiences was like is, is unfolded through that mechanism because I didn't want to be terribly sympathetic to him. Um, I didn't want to give him a lot of attention when you're dealing with a, you know, this kind of a story, a, a crime. You, we don't. I don't want to shine particular light on on him, and so the the transcript was able to provide th that methodology for introducing what needed to be introduced. Um, but in this case, it's very much a, a solo journey and an internal journey that this character is on. She's been in the isolation of grief, and she she goes off on this journey, and so her interaction with other characters um, is relatively minimal. Um, one engagement in interaction was with the, the perpetrator's wife who she's, she sets off to kill. And so that interaction um, was interesting to, to probe and right. to, to develop that character and, and her sort of grief arc. So she did have um, a bit of an arc in her own recovery from what happened. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of the, the team of characters largely in this particular book and they all uh, provide different, they've, they've performed different functions in the novel structure itself, as well as in the life of this protagonist. Which is very, very important. Yeah, so what is the role that those, um, characters play in the book and are they distinct from each other or do you have some characters that are playing the same role that it might just be mucking up the works because again the reader only has so much of an attention span and the more you add into the book and I actually like rather complex books but the more characters you add the more settings you add the more time period you add is just more for the reader to pay attention to and so each it can take away from what you what is already there 
Um, so each of those, those characters that you have in there really have to earn their place. Otherwise, they might just be taking energy from the book, taking energy from the reader, and taking energy from you as you're trying to get the book done. Um, Nancy, was there, was there any particular secondary characters that you really had to like hit your head against the wall about to develop and work on? And how did you do it? Probably, probably my, you know, my two most important secondary characters were the ones that required the most work. And I, I guess that makes sense, right? I mean, the more important they are, the, the more, the more attention you, you should pay to them. Um, but probably my most important secondary character is the um, cousin and best friend of my protagonist. And that, that is George, who cross-dresses as Jordan. And the book makes clear that cross-dressing is a different identity from, from being transgender. Um, and during the road trip, um, uh, this character is, is uh, Jordan referred to you know, as uh, she, her. So I'm gonna refer to her that way. But um, her original purpose was, was simple. This is a road trip book. And my main character was chasing her mother and teenage daughter to Memphis, um, trying to stop them from revealing this, this thing, this hidden thing from her past. So I needed somebody to be with my protagonist so that we're not just in her head the whole time. I needed somebody that she could talk with and argue with and, and bounce things off of. But, um, but of course, you know, Jordan became um, much more important than that um, because she became both kind of a foil and a, a mentor um, to, to Hope. And I think that's an important um, role that secondary characters can play is that as is, is holding up a mirror to, to your protagonist. And um, my protagonist, Hope, just isn't happy with, with who she is. She's quite introverted and um, she's not felt like she's never been able to please her flamboyant um, soap, soap opera actress mother. Um, and that's, that's a theme throughout the novel where each of the characters, each of the main, their three point of view, um, characters and, and each of them struggles with this question, sort of an identity question of, you know, who, who am I versus, um, who am I truly versus who others want me to be? So, um, so Jordan is sort of a perfect um, foil for that because, you know, this is a, a struggle that she's gone through her entire life. She's been fighting this battle and she's learned to sort of embrace her own truth um, and not care what other people think. So that makes her on the road to Memphis, that makes her a perfect, um, uh, you know, help to hope uh, to the protagonist who she kind of pushes and um, generally hopes, uh, helps to recognize some of the, uh, some of the issues that the protagonist is, needs, needs to deal with on this road trip. Yes. And she's, she's such a wonderful character, <laughs> both in, in how, how she, um, um, appears on the page as George, and then how she appears on the page as Jordan. And then think, considering your secondary characters as mirrors to your main character is a great way to think about that. And then going beyond that, because of course, most of what you worked on with Jordan, Nancy, was to really make sure that she had her own self. Um, one of the main problems that I do see with secondary characters is that they seem to just exist as a therapist, or as someone to bounce. I mean, we use, we, we first create them for this as someone to bounce ideas off of or someone to talk to. But if, if that's all they become, they're not gonna become a full character. And it's gonna be really, really obvious that that's why the writer created the character that way. So you want to um, 
one important way to develop them and, and is to also think about what is their arc in the book? What do they want and, and to, I always go back to what are their own intentions in every scene so that they're not just sitting there nodding their heads as the character prattles on about one thing or another. They have their own intentions, they have their own inner lives. So it's very important to examine that to make sure that they are fully on the page. Um, Suzanne, was there any particular secondary character that you had trouble with? Um, I just want to bounce off what you just said. Uh, some years ago, I took um, a workshop at one of the Muse in the Marketplace events on, um, I, I don't remember what the topic was, but she, the, the leader spoke very much about uh, the power of um, triangular relationships, because it is a uh, a pitfall to have this storyline where the protagonist is going along, right? Like this. And it's like, oh my gosh, something happened. I need to talk to somebody, you know, secondary character interaction. And then it continues in this flat line. Oh my gosh, something happened. Okay. I'll talk to this secondary character. Um, and that when you have triangular relationships, um, which Graceland, Nancy's Graceland certainly does because you've got these three main characters who are all interacted and they're all on their own journey, but it's, it's, it's um, interrelated, um, it's much more dynamic and the plays off of each other um, help propel things forward in a different, more uh, fully featured kind of a way. Absolutely, so, absolutely. And probably brings something out different from those characters than we would have seen otherwise if they're just and, interacting with the main, yeah. And That's I think different kinds of conflict too can, can mm -hmm. arise because you can have competing jealousies and, um, you know, there, yeah, there's, it's just more, much more rich, uh, with opportunities, mm -hmm. um, in this particular novel, it's a little bit more flat just because she is on a, she is on this vengeance journey. It is a little bit more linear as I was describing, mm -hmm. um, because it is a very isolated thing. She is very much in her head and she can't tell other people what she's about to do. You know, there can't be, she's in this case, she doesn't have someone that she can, she doesn't have a Jordan to go off and help her do these crimes. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> that would be great. Um, so as far as the characters that I had trouble with, I think um, the, the perpetrator, two things. One was the perpetrator because I don't really want to know what this guy is about. You know, the, the crime was so horrific that, there is the personal sort of revulsion of, of trying to get in someone's head, but needing to in, enough to explain things in a re, in a in an so that the reader can understand and and view someone in as humanely uh, a way as possible for for people who are doing bad things, right? Um, another character that I struggled with, but that I was important, I felt to have was a neurodivergent young man who um, works in a convenience store near this wax museum that, that my protagonist takes a job in. Um, and he needed to be there. She needed someone on the ground when she moved, when she, you know, when she left to bounce things off of all those functions that you mentioned. Um, and he's a great character. And I wanted to represent neurodivergence because representation matters of, you know, of all different types of people. Um, but I wanted to handle it appropriately, um, obviously. 
And so that's a struggle, you know, to be able to do that in a, in an appropriate and sensitive way um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of figuring out what that means and what that looks like and not creating a cartoon character um, or something that would uh, diminish uh, humanity, you know? So I think that that was my biggest, those, those are my two biggest struggles in this book. But, yeah, and that is difficult because lots of times people use secondary characters to bring in a more diverse cast um, and that can be really problematic because those characters then are made secondary and they aren't as, um, developed as they need to be. So you need to think very carefully about, um, writing about those kinds of identities and even getting, um, a reader, um, to help you out, um, other people to help you out to make sure that you got it right. Um, so some things to think about in terms of secondary characters, Unlike tertiary characters, so tertiary characters are characters that essentially are like props. They're almost like chairs, which which sounds really awful. <laughs> like, oh, that character is like a chair. But but you need those characters. You need the character that might bring your main character a cup of coffee, or that that you know brings them their mail. Sadly, the tertiary characters are oftentimes usually the working class characters too. Um, but sometimes you just need other people to do things for your character. Um, and, and we have them in those, our lives all the time. If you make them too interesting and they carry off the scene, then you could be in trouble because we could be much more interested. And I probably might be much more interested in the person that delivers the coffee or the guy that delivers the mail. I mean, I could very easily get much more interested in that um, than your main character. So, so really keeping them like furniture is necessary, but secondary characters are different. They're more round. And when we talk about making a character round, I mean, writers pass around this language all the time and no one really defines what it actually means. Like, what does it actually mean? And round, we're like, oh, that means the character's developed. Well, what does that mean? So some of the ways we talked the other day about um, with Margot Livesey and Courtney Mom, we talked a lot about how what a developed character is and what and and getting the character attitude across, which is really important. Um, Adam Sexton, in his book Masterclass in Fiction Writing, talks about roundness as consistent inconsistency. So you have a character who is um, <clears throat> consistent throughout the book, so that they don't, so that we see them as a as a as a character that has characteristics that that has certain habits that we follow throughout the book. Um, but they're also inconsistent in a very consistent way to what we might think of that particular character. So if a character is a mailman and we want to elevate them more to a secondary character, how might you find an aspect of that person's personality um, that is inconsistent to maybe our stereotypes to that sort of person? And that's, that's just one step towards making them more round on the page. And then they can be consistently inconsistent in that way. Um, Otherwise, once you find that kind of consistent inconsistency for round characters, again, secretary characters don't generally surprise us that much, but they can. I normally think that there's, in terms of a character arc for secondary characters, there's a moment in which a secondary character will break open. So 
a lot of pressure has been put on them, just like all the other characters. Um, a lot of they're they're put through a lot of things. They face a lot of maybe their own crises. They're with the main character facing those crises. And there's a moment when they, as well as the main character, breaks open in a way that shows them their real humanity or shows shows us who they actually really are um, away from social conventions or any other walls that they put up. Now, a secondary character, however, might just snap right back <laughs> and put those walls back up. But that at least shows us that kind of breaking open and showing us kind of that kernel of who they are, what makes them work, what their vulnerability is, who they are, like when they're, when they're alone or broken down maybe. Um, <clears throat> can really get across, can really make, put them on the page and make them round for us. Um, okay, so I think we're getting some good questions. Um, Jane asks, have you ever had a fun secondary character take over and have to be reined in or even gulp cut? Nancy, how about you? Well, you know, it's an interesting question for me because I think um, if you go back to when I initially conceived this, um, the novel, I had one protagonist um, or, or possibly uh, my main protagonist, Hope, and it became, um, it was going to be divided as point of view between Hope and her teenage daughter and her, you know, she's, she's chasing her teenage daughter who takes off on this road trip to Memphis with her grandmother. But the grandmother character actually became so interesting. She's um, she's a former soap star and she's obsessed with Elvis. And she had just this um, really, uh, you know, sort of uh, Captain Happen sort of personality that that in the end, well, not even in the end, in in the development stages of the novel, I made. Olivia, the, the the grandmother, one of the three main characters, and that was just a something that just developed um, very naturally. Um, and and I think even <laughs> even as such, even as uh, you know, one of the three main point of view characters now, um, Olivia does have a tendency to to take over. And you know, I definitely had to to rein rein that in in order to not overwhelm my my poor quiet, likable protagonist. Yeah, that was, I can't imagine your book without Olivia. I can't imagine. But yeah, so then you had to do a lot of work with Hope to make sure, because even though she's, she's, she's basically much more of a, she's more quiet. She's certainly, she's not, she doesn't have as much attitude mm -hmm. <laughs> as Olivia. And so again, I, I do think it can be somewhat harder to uh, get those quiet characters across but that's but but the, if you go back to our attitude discussion we talked about how do you do that with quiet characters because they still bring something into the room um whatever it is that you can delve into and and mine and 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 make full and it might be that character too that your reader is able to, to put themselves inside of more than the bigger personality um, so that's, they're kind of an open door for the reader to enter the, uh, uh, book in. Um, Suzanne, another question that might be for you is a secondary character. If a secondary character shouldn't be brought in just for diversity's sake, how best to deal with diversity? How have you dealt with that in your work? Um, well, I think you, you, that you don't bring a character in for diversity, right? But you've got secondary characters and th that are needed for the book 
and you can have them be diverse. There's, there's a difference between those two things, right? It's like, you don't just throw a person of color in because you feel like you need a person of color. Yeah. Um, however, you know, you've got this, you know, you've got this function in the storyline in a tertiary or a secondary character, consider how diversity can be brought into that. So I think that those are two separate things. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. And then we have a question for Nancy. Nancy, when the grandmother cooked, took over your novel, did you find her emotional arc very compelling? Was that emotional arc just as important to you as a writer as the quieter main character? Um, yeah, and I, I probably, it was probably a bit of overstated to say that she took over. I mean, I do, you know, my, my main character is quiet, but she's, she's also very funny. And so given having this, this flamboyant um, mother to, you know, just make her crazy and react against sort of makes her more funny as a, as a main protagonist. But, um, but yes, I, you know, Olivia, all three um, point of view characters, the, the mother, the teenage uh, activist daughter, and the, um, the, the flamboyant soap star um, mother all had to, to have their own arcs and their own um, intentions. And I, I think it was definitely back in the novel incubator with you, Michelle, where, uh, you know, we had, we had one reason that um, uh, Olivia and uh, the, the, the grandmother and daughter were taking off for Graceland, but Michelle said, you know what, uh, you know, Olivia is just too selfish a character. She, she needs some other reason for going. And so Olivia does have her own quite funny reason. Well, it, it's, it's both, it's both comic and sad as, as life is um, for, for heading to, um, for wanting to go to Graceland to, to uh, sort of have this, um, we'll call it a, a career capping uh, PR stunt because she's a, she's a former soap star and just is having trouble dealing with that. Um, and so she, um, you know, I talked about the, the fact that all the characters have this arc where they have to learn to, um, uh, to the, the difference between, you know, embracing their own truth versus who others want them to be. And in Olivia's case, you know, it's a question of, what all her fans have wanted her to be. They've always seen her as this villainous, horrible soap character. And so she feels like she's had to sort of be that in, in her life and, and portray that on social media. And, um, and now she's no longer that character. And, you know, who is she? And is it, is the, the uh, affection of, you know, 10,000 fans more important than, the, the people closest to her. That's, that's part of her struggle. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. I'm going to have to let everyone go to, to get back to their writing day for Sunday. So everyone look for these books, Suzanne DeWitt Hall's um, book, The Language of Bodies just launched. So you can find it everywhere, all, all over the place. So I'd find it and then look forward to Nancy's book coming out in May, 2023. Thank you everyone. I hope you have a good writing day. It's going to be a beautiful Sunday. And uh, maybe you can go outside and, and do some work in a, in a notebook um, or a journal. Um, but oftentimes these Sundays are days off or the days that we get most writing done. So, um, and join us everyone tomorrow. We're gonna have a big day with finding the stakes of your story with Hank Philippi Ryan and Maurice Rufan. And you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com and otherwise, have a very good Sunday, and I hope everyone gets a lot of good work done. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy and Suzanne. Have a great day.